Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. It's Wednesday, January the 6th, and education is well and truly back under the spotlight today as the third national lockdown continues. We're going to focus in the podcast today quite a bit, actually, on schooling and young people. First, let's hear from the Education Secretary, who's been speaking in the Commons after it was confirmed this summer's GCSE and A-level exams would be cancelled. I can confirm that GCSEs... A-levels and AS-level exams will not go ahead this summer. This year, we're going to put our trust in teachers rather than algorithms. So that's what Gavin Williamson had to say a bit earlier on today. I've also been chatting to solicitor Graham Jones, who's an education expert at Whitehead Moncton in Maidstone. I also asked him about the situation for uni students who are paying thousands for lessons they're now doing online. You have to trust the teachers that are teaching the pupils. They know what grades they should get. They're not going to exaggerate them. And then those assessments will be moderated anyway. So that is a system that needs to be put in place. But importantly, the government need to clarify that system very quickly. And I think what parents need to get their children into a mindset of is you are going to be assessed. This is not just going to be one day where you take an exam and you pass or fail. You're going to be assessed on everything you do in the next six months. So you've got to work hard constantly to make sure that assessment can be made correctly. And what about university students? Because they weren't actually mentioned in the Prime Minister's um, address to the nation the other day. How are they going to be feeling about all of this at the moment? They must be feeling pretty bad. I mean, again, it's varying from university to university. I I read today that um, uh, students doing uh, medicine or veterinary courses are going to be asked to come back for face-to-face tutoring, subject having COVID tests, etc. And everybody else is going to be have to doing this online. And it is sort of unfair that you're paying £9,000 a year not to be able to experience the full university um, experience. But that is a contract between you and the university. And I, I don't think universities are going to be particularly keen on allowing any form of discount at all because they need still need to run they still need to pay their lecturers and of course for parents across kent this week has seen a return of homeschooling it's going to be very different for everyone depending on the age of your children whether you have to work too if you've got all of the tech necessary and how good your broadband is all sorts of different things i've been catching up today with my kent family editor lauren abbott whose two children who are both at primary school are learning from home again um firstly lauren how has it been returning to homeschooling for you then? Yes, um, returning to homeschool. Well, it's not a shock, I think, is the first thing. Um, when it was March last year, we we all were just completely gobsmacked. I don't think we foresaw that coming, um, perhaps in quite the way we have this time around. We we all looked at each other as parents and thought, what on earth are we going to do? But of course, we've had five, six months of schooling last year to give us a lot of tried and tested methods to find out what works for us as a family and as a school and what doesn't. Um, so I think we're, we're a bit more prepared Um, And also my children's school closed in early December because it had an outbreak of coronavirus it couldn't control. So um, I think we were also, you know, fairly aware about what it was like to come home, perhaps unlike some of the parts of Kent where, you know, doing school on Monday and then being told on Tuesday it wasn't happening is a lot harder. 
The other thing is that I think we've all learned a lot of lessons. One of the big changes for us personally is that our school is now uploading the lessons the night before rather than posting them in the morning. So it gives us a chance to um, do any printouts, get anything together that we need and also try and work out how we plan those lessons, which might be videos or the children doing a project or watching something, how we can plan that around our own working day as well, which is a massive help. What's different this time compared to last spring and summer, would you say? Yes, the biggest difference has got to be um, the weather, of course, and the darkness. Um, in the summer, we were probably um, doing a day of homeschool or a day of work and school and then trying to get the kids out about 3.30, 4, 5 o'clock, just before sort of dinner, get them out, run around, go to the park, the daily daily walk. Um, and obviously that's already much harder this time around. It's rained here solidly for two days. So today's obviously day three, now probably going to be the first chance I'm going to get to kick them out the door. Um, and I think that's already made a difference to the to today's homeschooling. They've not been particularly brilliant at concentrating this morning. There's been a lot of fidgeting, um, a lot of sitting on chairs and, and wriggling around while they're trying to watch their, their lessons and their videos. And I think that's, that's going to play a big part this month in um, sort of how well they do perhaps day to day. How are the children feeling about it at the moment? Well, we're only two and a half days in. Um, but so far, the kids have been really good. Um, we had warned them, um, obviously, being a journalist and um, having a husband who works um, in sort of related fields. We've we've watched the figures and, and we obviously watch the news, consume it all the time. And I think there was a big bit of us that our gut instinct was that even if they did go back, it might not be for very long um, or, you know, it might be a, a shortened day or half the class and then half the class. There might be something done in January and February. So we had warned them. We had prepared them slightly so that they, they were aware that there was every chance they might not go back. Um, but it's early days. Um, what I have tried to do this time around is avoid any certainties. I'm not going down the Boris route and telling them it will be until February half term and then they'll go back. I'm not telling them it will be March. Um, and we're just going week by week. They know it's at least until January. They're fully expecting it to be February as well. And I think that way it's just I'm not disappointing them. I don't want to get their hopes up that, that they're going to return by February half term and then have to turn around and say, you know, sorry, guys, it's at least another six weeks. So I think that's the lesson this time around as well, is that um, I'm just trying to manage their expectations um, and what they think is going to happen and not let them run away with the idea that, you know, in, in four or five weeks, they're going to be back because I'm not 110% confident that, that they will be. And do you have any concerns about their long term education at all? Um, at the moment, I don't think I have any concerns about their long-term education. So my children are just turned seven and nine. Um, they're in year three and year five at primary school. I think if I had children at secondary school, perhaps in some of those much higher years, the exam years, yes, of course, absolutely. It's a it's a much bigger concern. Um, maybe a little bit more of a concern for my older one. He's in year five, so we're edging towards secondary choices and thinking about what we do next. Um, but you know, if it, if it happens to be a five or six week closure, it will be a drop in the ocean. If obviously we're in a situation where, you know, goodness, it, we hope it doesn't happen. But for some unknown reason, they weren't to go back before sort of May or June. Then, of course, that's a completely different ball game. Kent Online News. Now, with the closure of schools, the cancellation of exams and children spending much more time indoors, it's feared their mental health could start to suffer. 17-year-old Jack Newbury from Simon Langton School in Canterbury has been telling us that learning remotely can be incredibly isolating. Students can get into patterns where literally all they will do in a, in a day is wake up, shower, sit at their desk for eight hours of work, maybe get some lunch, and then they have to do 
more work and more revision and, and you might not go outside, you might not have time to speak to friends. Meantime, Childline has been taking between 60 and 80 calls a day from children in Kent as young as eight. Michelle Baxter from Maidstone is a volunteer Childline counsellor. She thinks the same issues will crop up again this time around as they did during the first lockdown. That resulted in huge amounts of anxiety um, amongst young people. Just the uncertainty of it all, really. Uh, not knowing when they could return back to normal, not having any control over anything. Um, and also missing their friends. You know, they really, truly missed being part of a friendship group. Um, and that's so important for, for children and young people at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say, we all, we all miss our friends, obviously. We're, we're seeing people on, on things like video chat or whatever. But for some children, mm. they're, they're actually not old enough, really, to be on all the social media channels and things like that, are they? they do they start to yeah. feel properly isolated? Well, in fact, we had situations, I think it was during the summer more so, where, uh, you know, parents would say, okay, you can have your phone, your mobile phone when you start secondary school, for example, because those were the rules in place, um, if that was your family kind of like rule. Um, And so they were actually feeling that they were missing out on quite a bit, because what they were saying to us was that actually we are worried that we're going to fall behind, that we're going to lose our friendships because we're not allowed to go on social media, um, that we're not allowed to have a phone until we're 11 or whatever. Um, And so... You know, they, they were feeling that that relationships were changing and a lot of them were really worried about how it would feel when September was going to come and whether they would still have the same friendships in place. Obviously, a lot's changed since then, hasn't it? And, um, and actually, Zoom teams, it doesn't feature in young people's lives. You know, they want to see each other. They, and uh, I think we've all seen it where we've been out and about and we've seen you know, groups of, of, of children together um, because it's so hard for them uh, just to continue any type of relationship when it's virtual. We just got used to it as adults and although it doesn't really sit well, I, I really miss sitting around my friend's table and having a good chin, chin wag, but for kids, it's not the same thing. When lockdown was eased, uh, it was, as you say, it was lovely to see, you know, groups of young people able to, to get together. And even if, you know, me and my daughter went out for a little walk during the initial lockdown, we might bump into yeah. one of her friends and be able to stand on other sides of the, the road yeah. and have a chat or whatever. Obviously, in yeah. this lockdown, it's very, very different. It's the middle of winter. Yeah. We're not likely yeah. to be going out quite as much yeah. as we did before. Is that an added pressure that you think will, will be put on children? Yeah. I think it's in the, the weather now, I mean, it, particularly when we look at the last kind of couple of days, no one wants to go outside. You know, if you're going to go outside, you're going to get wet, you're going to get cold. There's no reason to be outside because it's so horrible. Um, so I think with the winter, you know, we're in the midst of it, as you say, um, there isn't that same excitement about going down to the local park and seeing who you might bump into. Um, so there's going to be an increased risk of children feeling isolated and genuinely lonely. I mean, you can feel genuinely lonely, but be in a house full of people. And, and that's something that we are incredibly aware of um, and trying to find ways of children feeling connected to, to life, really. And you can access Childline online at childline.org.uk or by calling 0800 And for all of us, a Kent social media expert is urging against so-called doom scrolling during the new lockdown. It's where you can get hooked on looking at social media or websites, but end up just reading loads of negative comments. Zoe Kens from Medway says the web can be useful while we're more isolated, 
but we shouldn't get hooked on it. It's where um, people are um, going online. They're looking for that um, that company that they they really want, um, going through stuff, and it, it's making them feel probably a hundred times worse if they've got a community around them that are experiencing real um real challenging times right now and so therefore sometimes with social media it can um increase the anxiety and um the um sort of like the challenges that we're going through is sometimes it's not a a great place to be because it becomes a bit of a compulsion doesn't it if you're sat at home and you don't have much to do the first thing you think of doing is just scrolling on your own through yeah and and that's one of the first things that a lot of people do when we wake up um, before we go to sleep um while we're sitting there eating our breakfast even while sometimes we're having conversations we're scrolling and not in the moment we're actually just going through stuff Um, and that I think that's what I think people are finding difficult is because people want to stay connected and, and, and when it comes to things like the news they want to keep up to date with what's happening yeah. with lockdown and things like that but then what but, c- comes a quick check ends up being a long process yeah and sometimes a quick check check on what the latest news is um, sometimes creates a lot of anxiety as well because they start to see people's responses uh, especially on a news feed like twitter you know we go there for the latest news of, on what's happening from our late late um, from our local radio news people so like for example KM, kmfm see the latest news and you see everyone else's comments about it and then you start reading through to see what people have um have wrote and yeah challenging yeah that, it, it, and i think that that's the difficulty for a lot of people i mean imagine um, if someone's been furloughed for nine months for example yeah they've been inside since march social and perhaps they live alone support bubble yeah. wise it, it might be that social media is is one of their only ways of interacting with, with communication other yeah of communication definitely and um you know we've been um, um I, i've actually been engaging on a new social media site over the last week called Clubhouse. I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's been a lot of rooms for uh, people that are experiencing loneliness and um, mental health, and it's been helping them, and they're actually feeling part of a community. So it's been really nice to see how the community and people are coming together from all areas across the world, helping people who are feeling like that. When it comes to people wanting to engage in social media, being at home and kind of having to engage in social media. Yeah. What are some of the healthy ways and some of the healthy strategies maybe people can take if they don't want to end up just doom scrolling all day? Yeah, I think it's making making sure that you take breaks, which is really important, but don't believe everything that you see online as well, because there's a lot of fake news. There's a lot of scaremongering going on, um, you know, even down to when we are going to get the latest bulletin of what's happening. You get lots of things happening saying this is going to happen this is going to happen it's not even happened yet so it's about really making sure you take those breaks you are selective in what you're reading but most importantly making sure you surround yourself in a network that are supporting you rather than making you feel anxious and 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 having that negativity on you because I know that everyone is having challenging times but it's about supporting each other and remembering what we post is may affect someone else 
Kent Online reports. The very latest figures show coronavirus cases went up across Kent in the last week of 2020. More than 14,800 people tested positive over that seven-day period. Dartford has the highest infection rate in the county, followed by Gravesham and Medway. 27 more COVID-related deaths were recorded in Kent yesterday. Now, the boss of a Kent brewery is urging the government to use their pubs to help with the COVID vaccine rollout. Shepherd Neem have venues across the county, which of course are currently closed closed because of lockdown. Chief Exec Jonathan Neem reckons they could have facilities ready overnight to offer the jab and says it's crucial it happens quickly so that the industry can reopen. Clearly, none of us want to go back into a further lockdown and it's disappointing in that respect, but it's not unexpected. Um, the, the rise in infections in the last couple of weeks has been pretty uh, horrifying, I think, for all of us. Uh, and I think we've always believed that a full lockdown such as we had uh, earlier in the year is the only way to sort of stop this uh, virus or slow it down uh, and buy time to accelerate the vaccine process. So now it seems to me that everything is is resting on the speed in which we can get the vaccination programme going. And what does this mean in particular for your industry at this moment in time? Because you've had a, a terrible, well, coming up for a year of it really, haven't you? We've had a terrible time. Uh, we were shut for 105 days in lockdown one. By the time we get to mid-February, and um, which is the next time this will be reviewed, we will also have been shut for 105 days. Uh, realistically, we don't see us coming out in mid-February, uh, but we sincerely hope that we do come out in, in spring, hopefully by Easter. Um, and uh, that all depends, though, on, our, on the country's ability to roll out the vaccine programme. And to that end, we've offered... Uh, our pubs to act as vaccine hubs um, to the government. Other people in the industry have done done the same too. And uh, let's just hope they take that up. Let's let, let's hope they use the organisational skills of companies like like ours to help with this logistics challenge. We vaccinate our staff for flu every year um, under supervision. Of course, there's no reason that we can't do the same uh, for COVID. Uh, so the Government needs to use all available resources that it's got in the public sector, the private sector, and, and, and spread this vaccine as quickly as possible so that we can all get back to a degree of normality uh, by Easter. That would be an incredibly huge, well, we know it's an incredibly huge undertaking by the government and, and the NHS to carry out this vaccination programme. How quickly, realistically, would you be able to put things in place to, to accommodate that? Uh, overnight. Uh, we've got terrific refrigeration capacity. Our pubs have got big car parks. We've got spacious venues. They're well located. Um, many other operators in the sector are doing the same. Um, and um, uh, we might as well use them. We're, we we want to make a big community effort too. It's absolutely in our interest to ensure that, um, that, that this vaccine program happens as quickly as possible. Clearly, it needs to be done under the right medical and health um, uh, supervision um, but this has got to be spread out through the community rather than relying on uh, a very centrist and what appears to be an overly bureaucratic approach at the moment. 
A farmer and his son from Swale, meantime, have offered to help build a drive-through coronavirus vaccine centre. Stephen and James Atwood have written a letter to their MP, Gordon Henderson, saying they're more than happy to donate staff and machinery from their farms free of charge. And finally, on COVID today, Aldi's being criticised after photos were shared of an after-hours party at the store in Herne Bay. Staff were socially distanced and it happened on Sunday when we were still under Tier 4 restrictions, but bosses have admitted the gathering shouldn't have taken place. You can see the pictures for yourself and let us know what you think by voting in our poll at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online News. Some other news in brief now. And the family of a woman who was allegedly murdered in Canterbury say they've been left devastated by her death. 50-year-old Catherine Granger was found stabbed at a property in Longacre Close last Tuesday. David Creed, who's 52 and lives at the flat, has appeared in court and is expected to enter a plea in March. An inquest is finally being held into the death of a former sitting-born teacher who was murdered on Reunion Island in the Indian Ocean almost 10 years ago. 33-year-old Carl Davis's body was found at the bottom of a ravine in November 2011. A man was found guilty of murder back in 2017, but was later released after being acquitted following a retrial. And it looks like the amount of council tax we have to pay in Kent is going to go up by about 5% to help cover the growing cost of services, including adult social care. KCC have published their draft budget today for the next financial year, which will be voted on in a meeting next month. The increase for an average band D household will be about £67 a year. Kent Online Sport. One bit of sport to update you on today and England's cricketers can now train in Sri Lanka after no new players returned positive coronavirus results. Moeen Ali is showing mild symptoms after being found to have COVID-19 earlier this week, so he's still in quarantine. Kent Zach Crawley is with the squad and the first of two test matches starts next Thursday. That's it for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app, which will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.